uh, welcome to another episode of uh, CEO Class, where we host some of the greatest leaders around the world to chat about their personal goals, growth, and hopefully we can help you answer some of your questions regarding how they actually want to do it or how can I make it work types of questions. Uh, we're live on Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as on YouTube. So if you like what you see, what you hear right now, please give us a like and sub on the platform. We'll appreciate it a lot. Um, I'm your guest host for today. My name is Jeff. Uh, I'm the currently the COO of Young Partner School. Joining me today is an artist, a founder, a entrepreneur, a CEO of Oh My Home, Ray Swan. So, Hi, Ray, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Hello, I'm Ray. Great. I'm the co-founder of Oh My Home, and um, and Oh My Home is based in Singapore. And so, in case um, there are audiences in Hong Kong, um, so what does Oh My Home do? Well, actually, everything about property. So imagine if today you want to sell your property. There's only two ways to go about it. You do it yourself or you get an agent. So if you want to do it yourself, we have our website, our Android and our iOS app new. It's free of charge. You can post your property and then um, buyers can just go onto our platform to search. Otherwise, um, we also have our in-house agent services. We have in-house mortgage. We work with um, partner legal firms and renovations. So the entire flow of um, getting from one house to the other house is here with us at Oh My Home. That's a, that's a great service and I, I'm, I'm definitely, we're going to go into more details of, of the story of your Oh My Home. Um, but so, you know, some of us know you, you're from artist background, but uh, can you give us a little bit of, of your mindset as an entrepreneur out of all these different topics and passions that we all have, you know, from, from singing to some of us playing, you know, reading both and all these different things, right? Why did you would say you pick property out of all these different industries and, and to start your business in? Well, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> I'll start with um, passion, I think. Um, everything I do is always driven by passion. So when I first went to Hong Kong from Singapore, it's all about pursuing a dream. A dream that I want to be a singer in Hong Kong. And because it was 20 years ago, <laughs> and back then, um, Hong Kong artists, they were the biggest stars, you know, everywhere that we know. Um, people weren't looking at like Koreans or any other countries. And um, so I thought, I want to be a singer. And that's where I went without even knowing that I can't speak Cantonese. So <laughs> it's all about the dreams, right? When you're young, you don't even know what you don't know. And um, you just go with the flow. And uh, yeah, so it was passion and I'm glad um, that went pretty well for me. But after a while, I felt that um, I wasn't actually gaining or learning as much as I would hope to. Um, and that is why I thought, I have this 10-10-10 rule where when I make a decision, um, I'll go by this 10-10-10 rule. Um, it's from a book that I read. And it's like, if this decision is going to impact you, um, you have to think about how is that impact in the next 10 hours, and then 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, and 10 years. And so, okay. of course, I love um, singing and acting because the industry is fun, you get to hang out with cool and beautiful people. But when I think about myself um, 10 years down the road, which is like fast forward is now, um, <laughs> would I still want to be acting and singing? And um, it, the decision back then was very clear. It isn't something that I felt was sustainable. And so I had to pivot. Um, so the first thing I did was I had this um, 
my auntie. So she's a very knowledgeable lady. And then she said, you know, if you're thinking about、um, what to do next, the next thing you should do is to actually become a stockbroker. Go into、okay. equities because when you're in equities, you actually learn about every single sector. You learn about the market. You learn about what's happening in Hong Kong and、um, China. And if you're covering US as well, you know, you know about every single sector, and there you'll be able to pick which sector you are more interested in. And so I went into Maybank Kinning. So Kinning、um, is a Singapore-based brokerage, and、uh, worked there for two years. I was a licensed broker,、um, and yeah, so I went through the entire like the banking lifestyle where you have to wake <laughs> up at like 5 a.m., get to work at 6:30, and、um, You read all your research and get into the morning meeting at seven thirty. Yeah, so I did there for a while, and that was very enriching. And I thought that was actually life changing for me because I was exposed to a whole new world that I never knew.、Um, but the market wasn't doing very well back then as well. That was like ten years ago.、Um, and I, what a stockbroker does is like you have to have a good clientele, you have a client base, and then、um, you sell them stocks, you sell them your ideas. And whether they make or lose money, you make a commission out of it.、Mm-hmm. I didn't really like. I didn't really like this business model or the the model of making money that way because I felt that I definitely have no control over the market. Nobody has control over the market. So whatever I'm selling is really based on like a guesstimation.、Um, right. And stocks make me realize how important property is. Because stocks can actually go down and depreciate in value ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty percent overnight. And in Hong Kong, for the market to move ten to twenty percent is kind of normal, right?、Mm-hmm. So、um, I decided this is not something I can do long term.、Um, and that was when I turned thirty, and I was having this discussion with my dad, and I wanted to move from Kinning to another bigger firm and to cover the world market. And my dad was asking me, "So what's your working hours?" I say. Oh, my working hour is gonna be like seven a.m. You know, as usual, the market opens at nine thirty, and because I'm a girl, I get to go home at twelve a.m. It's like what? Yeah, it's because the guys get to the guys have to cover like the U.S. and Europe market. They all they go home about three four a.m. But they say, but you're a girl, you can go home at twelve、um, a.m. Just that's safer for you. I said okay, and I was like so ready. You know, I went to get my licensing for FX. My dad says like. You know you're not gonna get a life, right? And where are you gonna spend the rest of your life? You know, I'm your mom and me. We're in Hong Kong. We're in Singapore. Would you wanna come back to Singapore? And that's when I thought, oh yeah, I'm not getting any younger. So I made the decision to come back to Singapore. And、um, when I'm back here,、um, my sister Rhonda, she's already in the property field.、Um, that is because my dad has always been a very avid investor in property. So、um, he he told Rhonda, you know, you should go and get a license to be a property agent. So her background was in、um, trading as well. She was trading in Chicago, and she thought that if she were to get a license in、uh, as a property agent, she's able to get insider information, research material, just like a trader does.、Right. But not that the property market isn't what we thought it would be. It it is very it's very.、Uh, It is not seamless at all. There's a lot of gaps in the market, as in like, yeah, there's this gap between like getting your right property and then、um, there's the middleman in between, which is like the agents,、um, lawyers, where you don't actually get the right 
information. And at many times, after we've been in the industry, in this industry, we realize that um, a lot of people get into um, a lot of trouble because they get false information, they miscalculate. Because think about it, um, almost for every single family, no matter how big or small your house is, it is one of the biggest investments. Yep. Yeah, invest in your property, in a home that you live in. And if it goes wrong, it actually affects your entire household. Yeah. Because how you're going to pay mortgage for the next 20 years, right? Um, and that's how we started into our property um, journey, that we want to create a company that people can trust, a company where you can get very transparent information, where anyone, um, regardless of how rich or poor you are, you can have the same service or even, you know, not pay for anything um, and just transact your property on Oh My Home. Yeah, so wow, wow. that's my short That's a, quite, a, quite a juicy story right there. But I want to jump back to uh, initially when you, when you first talk about how you make, you know, your different decisions, right? You mentioned a book that you read that gives you the, the 10, 10, 10 rules. So can you elaborate more about on that? Like, how much do you use it on a day-to-day basis or how has that helped you or if that hurt you any before? I use it pretty often, especially when like I have a friend, you know, any friends will come to me to say that, oh, you know, I'm really sad, I'm heart- heartbroken, I broke up with my girlfriend or boyfriend. And then I'll tell them the 10, 10, 10 rule. I think, you know, in 10 days, you'll feel really bad, you know, you kind of like feel like you want to kill yourself because you love the guy so much. Right. And then in 10 months, most likely, you're kind of like over it. But you gotta think about the 10 years. Do you really want to marry this guy? Is he really the right husband material? Is he really the right father material? And actually, when I have this conversation with a lot of people, a lot of people say, yeah, you know, actually he's not really husband material, but you know, I just really, I love him so much. Yeah, but actually we have to be really sensible when it comes to love decisions. And it boils down to making decisions at the company as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're making hard decisions, is this like just cool for a while, or is, is this really good for the longevity and the sustainability of the company? Um, yeah, so this is something I use pretty often. Right, right, yeah, and I think definitely, you know, being within the startup scene or entrepreneurs. Um, we always have to make decisions on the fly, right? Like everything, there's a million things coming your way and and you have to make a decision that affects literally every single one of your company. Um, Do do you remember on top of your head, like what book is that from? So our audience can can just go dig that out. I can try to Google it right now. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. But I think, you know, reading is, is one of those like habits that we all picked up. I think, especially for myself, uh, I picked up reading. I was never, never a reader when I was doing schools, when I was studying. Um, and then once I jumped into the startup scene, I started reading a lot. Like every single month, I picked up a new book, and and it means a lot, you know, for for founders, especially we have to grow our own business um, in this way and just have to learn constantly. Um, and so going back at the at the earlier days when when you start in start your, your property career you know how how was the how was the market do you think that it was particularly easy or, or good for you to start or was it a was it a tough time it was tough um the market in singapore hasn't been really good for a while and when we first started oh my home um that was 
we're four years old this year. So Singapore just um, introduced a lot of the measures and um, the transaction scene wasn't that good. And that is why we introduced um, like a whole brand new model. So back then, when you wanted to sell your property, you have to go through an agent. Otherwise, you'll have to you know, spend $80 Sing dollars, um, which is $400 Hong Kong dollars, to put an ad in a newspaper, which lasts for a day. Um, otherwise, it's really through an agent. Or they can do, like they'll paste it in their bulletin board right under their housing block. Mm-hmm. So if you want, if you're coming to Singapore and you want to like, I want to rent a room, right? Because you're a young guy. And then you have to like go to the box and then look at a bulletin board and like look at a little paper that says, oh, room for rent, $500. So wow. that was lost back then. But once we started Oh My Home, um, the entire scene changed. So you'll see like the other platforms, um, you know, allowing people to DIY as well. Because we feel like this is the way to go. Um, it is not possible for every single person to afford um, 2% or 1% agency fees. So in Singapore, if you're selling your um, property, you pay 2%. And if you're a buyer, you pay 1% for the mass market housing. Um, but with Oh My Home, um, we created all this like step-by-step guide. So to buy your property in Singapore for the government housing is actually really complicated. There are like more than 10 steps. Mm-hmm. You have to buy certain things with the government and you have to do it within like 48 hours. So it's like a very tight time period. And if you do it wrongly, you've got to like kind of start it all over, all over again. So it's not fun at all. Um, the entire mm-hmm. process between one to three months. Um, and that's where Oh My Home came in. Um, we are actually the first one to create the entire journey. After this, you do this, step by step. So if you're on our app and you say that, okay, I'm a buyer, I'm an HDB buyer, the entire step-by-step guide is right there for you. Um, yeah, so just follow every single step and you'll be very well taken care of. And at any point that they're unsure and we're there, the customer service is there, and if they need any help with documentation, or you need a lawyer because every single person who transacts, you need a lawyer to do the transaction, regardless of whether you have an agent or not. So we'll have um, all these partner uh, partner um, law firms that we work with because actually we understand that it's really difficult. Imagine like today you're gonna buy your property, so you'll have to like Google for a lawyer. Most people don't have their own lawyer, right? Right, yeah, for sure. For a lawyer, you don't really know what to say when you call the law firm like, ah, hi, um, I want to do this and that. It's a little cumbersome. So with Oh My Home, you know, every price is stated there. You know what you're paying for. And um, you know that you're being served by very um, reliable people because there have been you know, transactions with Oh My Home for like, it's not like thousands of transactions. So these are lawyers definitely that you can come on. Yeah, so wow. just a seamless one-stop shop for everyone. Yeah, that's what we're So basically you created... And we actually... Sorry? Sorry. I was gonna say that we actually also reversed the way people search for property. Normally, you go for property, you'll actually go to a search bar, you enter, and then you see all the properties, right? But on Oh My Home, apart from doing that, you can actually post a shout-out. So a shout-out is like, I'm a buyer, uh, I'm from Hong Kong, I'm looking for like a two-bedroom and this is my budget. I want to live mm-hmm. near the MRT or MTR station. And right. then you'll have the owner suggest your properties to you. Oh, wow. So basically, yeah, you so created this one-stop platform for for either both buy side and, and, and sell side to actually, you know, complete all the transactions, which I think right now, you know, in this 
2020 day and age, like we all get very used to, oh, this is a, another C2C platform. But I think back in earlier in the days, right, this was something very groundbreaking for, for people to do. And, oh, this is a, a new C2C platform for people to learn from this. And and during the time that you're you're creating this, I'm sure you you ran into a lot of you know, ups and downs with problems, especially when you have to deal with you know, working around the government agencies, working around with legal and lawyers and all these stuff. What's one of the one of the toughest or you know stories that you can tell? Like the stuff that you went through personally or or in, in terms of company. Like what has been the toughest so far? Well, I think like if I think some of my teammates are tuning in right now. There are like so <laughs> many tough moments. Um. I can't really name which one is the toughest. Um, every every single stage is difficult. Um, so let's talk about like the initial stage where we are using a product um, and not knowing like, oh, should we actually house our tech team in-house or you know get an external party to outsource our, um, our platform um, to fundraising, um, getting our product out to the market, and then um, there's the managing of the team and then prioritizing which one to do first. That's seriously like endless. And then now with this COVID crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to you know, gather our team. Um, the good thing that we have is that we have a very, very good team. So we have this team that's been with us since day one. And um, when we're making like really tough decisions, it's not just down to like me and Rhonda, my co-founder, making these decisions. We'll actually gather our team and um, ask them, you know, hey, we're in this situation, this COVID virus crisis, where housing transactions are down to historic low levels. What should we do? What should we, what other products should we um, create? What are the solutions that we can prioritize? And how long does it take to push this product out? Um, yeah, so every step is difficult. And then um, some people will also ask, oh, how is it like um, being a female founder? Um, I think internally, um, as a female founder with my own team, we have no issues. But um, when it comes to, I think I think you would have read a lot of stats, right? Like uh, female founders get less funding mm-hmm. or yeah, female founders, uh, yeah, they are less successful in having like unicorns, things like that. And as um, as we want to think that, hey, you know, we're all humans, but it actually, it's quite true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason is because, um, so Rhonda and I, in the first year that we started Oh My Home, we actually got married and we got pregnant. So this year, um, Oh My Home is four years old and my daughter is three years old. Wow. So we're like pregnant and having like babies and Oh My Home is our first baby. Um, and because like throughout this time, you know, when you first start, you're doing everything hands-on. You don't have a big team like we have today. Uh, so we're the ones like on ground doing marketing. I remember uh, there was once that Rhonda was actually on ground doing work and she slipped and fell when she oh. was really pregnant, when she was like seven months pregnant. Oh yeah, my God. It was, like raining and um, the floor slippery and she slipped and, slipped and fell and we're like, oh my God. You should be more careful. But there actually isn't anyone else to do her job if she's not doing it. Um, So it's never been easy. I think the only happy thing that we can actually feel uh, satisfied about is building our own team 
and to have like good customer testimonials. When customers really sincerely think they said like, you know, thank you so much. You know, you actually helped my family through this very difficult period. Um, and and in fact, we actually serve a lot of customers like that because moving from that one house to the other house, it's most of the time is pretty stressful. Of course, there's this portion of people who are like upgrading because they make more money. But a lot of times uh, we meet with broken families, divorce cases, um, people in financial difficulties. Yeah, so these are the people who feel like, oh, you were really making a big difference. And the reason why, like, oh, my home started with uh, the mass market housing instead of like start with like, you know, high end properties is because we really want to make a difference and really extend this service out to the people who actually really need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's us. <laughs> I don't know yeah. where to begin. What is difficult? No, Every no, single I, thing is. I, I think it's a it's a very good story, especially when you mention you know helping helping families with issues, right? You know, broken families, divorces. I think those of those of us here, you know, some of us are lucky enough to have a you know great family living under a roof. But for those who who moving out. You know, maybe for students or, or, or broken parents, you know, this is something very important for them. Um, I also want to draw back to earlier when you mentioned the part about being a female founders, right? Does that does the the stereotype, you know, from the outside world sort of fuel your fire? You know, do you ever see this as a as a challenge or competition where it drives you day to day? It's like, okay, I'm gonna make oh my home one of the best. You know, not only in Southeast Asia but in the world, does that does that feel you? Um, I'm not actually fooled by people who don't think I can make it. Um, my dad has always raised us like men, not really like girly girly. Um, mm-hmm. So with this, I've been living out um, with my elder sister in Hong Kong since I was 19 years old. Um, Rhonda as well, she's been. Um, living in America for for a few years after um, JC um, Junior College, and uh, since young we've always been working for my dad. My dad made us work in his shop every single Sunday and every single holiday. So every December during Christmas, we're always there selling something because mm-hmm. he wanted us to understand the value of money. So when you're asking for fifty dollars from him, he'll uh, make you understand that hey. Sell this soft drinks, okay? And then whatever you make, I'll give it to you. And then you realize, oh my god! Actually, every single soft drink you only make fifty cents. So to oh. make fifty, sell one hundred. So he put all the um, drinks in a in the ice box, you know, like the styrofoam mm-hmm. box with all the ice, and then it's all inside because we're like a temporary store, right? We're right. not like ones with like a fridge. So back then, Seven Eleven well, wasn't even open in Singapore Orchard Road at all. And that's how we're able to see the gap in the market, where hey, you know, after 9 p.m. there's no drinks available, and it's really great because like everyone's doing their Christmas countdown, and there we are selling drinks. Um, yeah, it's this styrofoam box, and every time someone wanted a drink, we'll have to like put our hand in there, find it, bring yeah. it out. It's the wrong one, and then you bring it in again. <laughs> our, our hands are so so painful. It's so numb and. It's like it has rashes because it's so cold. Mm-hmm. But that was training since young. I think like having our kids understand the difficulty in making money and the difficulty and 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 what is hard work. So our parents have always demonstrated to us that working hard is very important. 
So it's the work ethics that we've built since young. So it's not, not really about people thinking if I can make it or if I can't make it. It's really about the work ethics. Um, I think once you have the right work ethics, you know how you have to put in your best for every single thing you do. And I think that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter what others say, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, work ethics is a very, very crucial, crucial, I think, attribute for, for a founder to have. And then also, you know, the, the parenting that, that your father has done, right? I think we, I think especially for Hong Kong, you know, some of the students, we don't really have that chance, right? Like what we see in, in TV shows and, and what you mentioned, right? So I, I was lucky I, I sort of grew up in the state and as a class, we used to go out and do fundraising for the class. And, mm-hmm. and what we do is we do, we sell lemonade, lemonade stands, we go, go to the local college and, and clean the Coliseum. And we were all working towards that one goal. So for you, it was maybe the, the $50 toy and, and for us, it was, we're working for our whole graduation trip. So a whole graduation trip, we, we came from a small town in, in Washington and we worked, you know, basically four or five years upon the graduation trip. So we were able to take the whole class to, to California for free um, in the summer. Oh. So, so that was very, very rewarding. And that's, that's when you learn, okay, this is, you know, if you put in the hard work, you know, consistently, um, I think this is where the reward kicks in, and and when you have it, it it means so much, so much more than just uh, if your dad just gave you fifty dollars. Hey, here you go, go go buy whatever you need. Um, I think it means means so much, so much different. I know. I think like back then, we I wouldn't have thought to. I would think like, oh my god, I hate it. You know, like my friends are doing countdown, and I'm here selling soft drinks. <laughs> Nobody likes it. But then, like of course, looking back, you know, um, in hindsight, of course that was good training. Yeah, right, we're like right. experience. So yeah, what you said is true. Working towards the goal is more important than like just thinking like, oh, you know what? My job is just about coming to work at nine. I finish my work at six. If I can't finish, I finish it the next day. That it like kind of like feels kind of meaningless if you're working for that salary without like a goal in sight. Yeah. At least for me, at least for me, that's what I think. Um, I think it's regardless of whether you are rich or poor because I was like that um, even when I first went to Hong Kong. We had to work very long hours. There were times when it's like 48 hours nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very young then. I was only like 20, 21. Um, and you don't, you are not always paid a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then like fast forward today, you know, when I'm older, I'm you know, more comfortable with my own lifestyle. I don't have to look at the price of like a bread. Back in Hong Kong, when I was there, I was like looking at two bread. Oh, which is the cheaper bread? Oh, this is the cheaper bread. And that, that's what I'll buy. You know, I'll look mm-hmm. at everything, which is the cheaper apple, uh, which is the cheaper wonton mean. I'll eat like the $10 wonton mean, but I will not go into like the $15 wonton mean. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but fast forward now, I don't have to compare the prices of foods or wonton mean. But the work ethic is the same. If there's something to be done, you just get it done. Right, right, right. And it's good, good, good segue right here when you mentioned about your life in Hong Kong. So, you know, when you're, when you're here, you know, in Hong Kong, obviously you're an artist, you know, living, you know, some might say, you know, the glamorous life um, as, a, as an artist in Hong Kong. And, and throughout this journey, you know, the years you've been singers and movies and all that stuff, has any of these kind of experience 
translate into the the skills or the technical stuff that you need um, being a founder right now? Um, I think everything actually really does translate. Um, there's always training in every single thing. Uh, one common thing is that nothing is easy. You know, uh, whether you're trying to be a singer, an actress, or a model, or now starting your own business. All back then, I was working for a company. Nothing is easy, actually. If you want to be good in what you do, it's just endless hard work.、Um, what other things that help me? I guess、um, I'm better at talking to people. <laughs>、um, and I think there's a lot of things that I learned from others as well.、Um, there's always Things that I have to improve on.、Um, when I first came back to Singapore, I was very, I was very cold. I, I didn't really like to connect to people. I don't really like to talk to people. I only talk to my own family. I guess that's because I was an artist. Because when you were an artist, you always have a manager and your、um, and your assistant next to you. And if someone wants to like talk to you, you like talk to the person in front of you. And then the person will like, hey, that person wants an autograph, you know. Then you like can like send an autograph, and then you pass it back.、Mm-hmm. I was not. I don't really people as well. And then、um, that is something that、um, my sister Rhonda, she's really good at, and、uh, my elder sister Rosan as well. So、um, Rhonda will be one. It's like, hey, you know, it's okay, you know. That's how people communicate. There was once like I have this. Rhonda has a friend who came over to our house, and then he came over and said. Hey Ray, how's it going?、Um, and already I feel offended. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Then I, I was like telling Rhonda like, what friend is this? Like, why is he asking me how am I doing? It's like it's none of his business. Because <laughs> I'm such a bad person. So even so, you know, after like being in Hong Kong and all that, I came back. It was still a huge gap to where I had to learn to be a founder to communicate with my team. And to be able to really speak freely with my teammates today, yeah, it was a huge gap. <laughs> Now that、oh, I yeah, think about definitely. it, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a、yeah. huge, you know, in terms of work-wise, in terms of duties, right? It's all all very different from being an artist and, and being a founder right now. And was there, you know, I I think before we we jump on this chat, you also mentioned I think the lifestyle is very very similar, right? You have to the hours that you have to put in. As, a, as an artist and as a founder, there's no, especially for for us, you know, in this startup world, there's no no days off. Is that is that what you mentioned earlier? Ah,、uh, yeah. Actually, it is、um, hard work. Like long hours. It it is like in every single line. Even if you're a banker, you finish work really late. You might have to entertain your clients, and then you sleep at one or two. You still gotta wake up at five o'clock. And then read、mm-hmm. all the research report because every single day is a brand new day. If you are in banking,、um, the news changes every single day. The research research reports are new. You gotta understand the entire market, the whole world market. What John Donald Trump said last night,、mm-hmm. and then think what's gonna happen to、yeah. Hong Kong and China today, and then、um, the market opens at nine thirty. So I would say every single line is difficult. The hours are very very long, and which is why if you are thinking of just Clocking the hours nine to six. I don't think that anyone can really make it.、Mm-hmm. I really don't think so because、um, not because I made it. It's just because I know a lot of people that made it, and I like to talk to these people to understand. Hey, you know, how was it when you first started out? And、um, one person, 
actually my husband told me that he says hard work doesn't guarantee that you'll be successful. I can guarantee that you'll be unsuccessful if you're not hardworking. I've never seen a lazy person become successful. Never in my life. Right, and I right. think that because even with our long hours, it doesn't guarantee success, and it doesn't even guarantee that um, we are at the top, most efficient in terms of what we're doing and what we're producing. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's the same in every single line. And but there's a really a lot of adjustments when it comes to like the job scope of different industries. So back when you are an artist, you are always protected. You're always like shooting a movie. In a movie set, if you're singing, you're in a studio or you're on stage. But when it came to this startup life, it's completely different. So I had to be on the ground giving out flyers, um, asking people, "Hey, you know, get our free ice cream," and then download our app. And then we're knocking on doors, you know, like, "Hi, auntie. Hey, are you looking to sell your home?" And then it's like, not everyone will say hi. You know, most people were actually like, yeah, "Just close the doors, like, get out of my way." I close the door and think like, "You gotta like." Rob them. <laughs> of course, there are a few nice people, but most of the time, it's like closed doors. Just with every single thing, when you you want to do something, most people will close their doors on you. Um, even for singers, actresses, you go for auditions, and you don't get every single role. And when I first started uh, as a model, you go for auditions, right? Audition for a beauty project, or most of the time, you don't get a job. And we have to understand that rejection is just part of life. And now, when we're、um, selling our company, we're going out to meet、um, venture cap. You get cold sores all the time, and you just gotta get used to it. And I think what will help is to what I learned over the years is that once when someone closes door on you, don't just walk away. You know, try to get into a conversation to understand. Like, oh, you know, I would like to understand like、uh, what is it that we're lacking. So if you're able to just do that one more step and get into that conversation, you're able to understand people from their point of view, and then you're able to see that, oh, that is the stat you're looking at, and okay, that's where you don't think I'm performing well, and then you pursue that, you know, you zero in, and then you know what to improve on,、mm-hmm. because when you're running a startup, like everything needs improvement, but what exactly it is, you know, that's the That's the the secret. You just find out the direction you want to go. Yeah, that's what every single founder has to decipher, right? That 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 hope that what should you pursue and what is that step that you should monitor every single day, so that you are actually going in the right direction. Yeah, and I think this is a very good lesson, sort of advice that we we can share for for some of the audience who are students here. Especially, you know, in an Asian country setting, right? When when we go to school, you know, teachers ask a question, we always expect, you know, the correct answers. And and you got it wrong, you get humiliated. You know, your friends laugh at you. You know, teachers think you're stupid. You know, all these things. But we're not we're not trained in a culture of you know where we we celebrate failure, right? You know, in every failure, just like you said, right? You can't find out stuff that why why don't you like my business? Like what what makes it Better for you, and I think this is something you know. A good takeaway for for students listening right now is that you know there's always something you can learn from in a failure, and don't don't be afraid of it.、Uh, I think this is very important for us to actually drive something to learn from. And going back to your your hardworking points, I actually have a 
have a contradicting story that I can tell. So, uh, <laughs> people didn't work hard and made it. Tell me. <laughs> no, I'm not not saying people that didn't work hard and make it. Um, but when I was young, I was also super super lazy. Um, and then so my mom's way of of driving me to actually work harder is that it's cool, it's okay if you if you want to be lazy, but you still have to get the job done. So lazy people are usually the smarter people to figure out ways to get stuff done in less hard work. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can get by. I can go by, do my video games, do my computers, do my music. And yeah, that's true. Uh, one of the founders did mention um, that if you wanna get a solution, like a good solution, pass the job to the laziest guy because you'll find a shortcut to get things done. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I always believe in that. And, and it's the the way to like figure out smart solutions uh, for the hacky way of doing this. And mm-hmm. you know, earlier you mentioned about you know the the starting days of, of Oh My Home. You mentioned there are a lot of you know groundwork that needs to be done. You know, on your hand, your sister is being co-founder. Um, and then I think I think some of the um, audience here, you know, will also inspire to be a founder and. From my understanding, you don't have a tech background, and so what's the what's the challenges, or what are some of the things that you you come across and say, okay, I want to build an app, but I don't have a tech background. What's some of the challenges that you face? Oh well, that is a very good one that you pointed out.、Uh, when we first started, we actually outsource our tech team to an external vendor. And because、um, we're thinking like, how can I start a tech team? I don't even know how to in- like interview for the right tech guy. Exactly.、Um, and like, if they have any problems, I can't solve their problems, right? Because I don't even know what they're talking about.、Um, but eventually, we still took that leap of faith and you know started our own tech team because it's just kind of impossible if you're like a real tech company and、um, you have so many revisions. There's always changes every single day. And then we're working. When we were working with our external partner, it's like, oh, this one is like seven man days, and then like each man day is how much, and then oh, okay, but we're busy right now. We can only start work on it like next week. You know, like for us, like next week is like a long time away for us when we want to get down. Like, hey, do it now, <laughs> do it now. Like, there's this copywriting that's wrong on the app. Change it now. <laughs> so we couldn't wait for it, and、um, it made. Us feel like okay. The less changes you have, the more money you save. And I don't think that is the way to improve, right?、Um, even if you're writing an article, tell me you don't need to like edit it for the next hour, right? If like every single edit costs you money, you wouldn't want to edit the article. You just like,、oh. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't work. So we rebuilt our entire um, app um, with our in-house team. Yeah, and、um, that was a very Interesting、um, journey because、um, my tech guy will just say like, "Oh yeah, last time Ronda and Rice will just sit right next to us and tell tell us like, 'Hey, change this, change that, change this, change that.'" So we didn't have like the right SOP. We don't have a workflow. We we just hired like two guys to begin with, like one okay, just one iOS and one Android, and let's go. And like first day, we'll say, "So when will the app be ready?" <laughs> yeah, you mean driving engineers crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they were like this crazy boss. Like, there's no designer, no design. There's no no sprints, nothing. And then he she just wants us to deliver. 
Yeah, but you know, investing in tech is a learning journey. And if we hadn't started then, I would be still like that, you know, if I had started now. So like, but right now it's so different, you know, we have like our entire sprint, how it flows, it will flow. We have our entire um, design team, back end team. Yeah, you know, when we first started with that Android and iOS developer, he's, they're still with us today and maybe also in this webinar. Because I <laughs> company. Um, we didn't even know that we need a back-end guy. Oh, we were like, wow. why yeah. is the Android built and the iOS is still not ready? Like, oh, I have to build the server, you know, we have to build the back-end in order to power the app. Right, right. and they have to yeah, explain but, it in a very simple, you know, day-to-day -day human language to you. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, they're really patient with us. And I'm really thankful even until today. And yeah, I mean like for the other um, students out there who don't have a tech background, um, you can read a lot more these days, um, do a lot more research and then attend webinars like and the ones that you're hosting um, to understand uh, what it is. But before you even get into like, should I build an Android or an iOS app? Um, it's always about the business plan first. What problem are you actually really solving in the market? Um, don't just like, oh, you know, I like clothes, I'm gonna build another brand to sell clothes. Like, you have to like be very specific on like which target segment are you targeting. Um, do you have the right startup capital? Um, if you don't, it is actually quite stressful. I'll share with you because um, I had my previous career and then because of that, I had my savings. Um, before All My Home, we were actually running this other um, investment grade um, property company, realistic company. And from that, we made money and thus we're able to invest a significant amount of money to start Oh My Home and to find outsourced partners to build our app. Um, but it is not possible for every single person. If you're a student and um, if you're prepared to take like a no pay for the next two years, then yeah, maybe you can you know jump on this opportunity. But you have to ensure that your family is supportive. You don't have to support your com your family for any overheads, rental, or anything, right? right? So there are a lot of factors to consider before you even jump into should I build my my platform in house or outsource it? Right, right, right. and I think I think it's a it's a very important too um, for students because you know I, I come across a lot of students and, and younger entrepreneurs where they want to you know, start their own businesses. But the first thing they tell me is like, oh, I wanted to do an app, I want to build a website. Um, but they oftentimes fail to understand, oh, well, here's the problem. You know, this is my list of solutions. I think that's how it's supposed to work. And oftentimes, if we go through this process, they'll be able to find, oh, I probably don't, don't need an app. I need a very simple, landing page for a simple Facebook group or Instagram page, they can get started. Yeah. And, and yeah. it saves them a lot of time, a lot of money, and they can just get results very, very quickly. Yeah. So I think it is very important to be very clear about what is the objective and goal of your company. Um, and especially these days when, you know, we're in a recession, um, you know, the we're actually in a tech bubble, right? All that like crazy valuation, of um, all of the trending prop uh, tech companies, let's say WeWork, you know, co-working, co co-living, or any other stuff that's trending, 
um, we are starting to see valuation come down to a more realistic number. Um, and which is which means that um, VCs, investors, they're actually more savvy as well. Um, they are looking at, okay, what are your revenues? What are your, what is your um, net profit? What is your unit economics? What are your numbers? So um, back then, you're able to build like a lost set where there's no revenue at all. And have a Twitter where there's no revenue. As long as you have the traffic, you know, people will invest in you. But I think those days are over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For most things, I guess like maybe someone can still invent something really cool. I can't say it's for everyone, but for most people, that those days are over. So investors are more savvy now. They want to see like um, what are the numbers they're looking at because investors are always in to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are not, not here to help you build your dream. So if you have a dream to build like a very cool fashion line, it's always about how are you actually going to market your clothes. What are you going to do with that um, extra inventories that you can't sell? You've got to think of all these things. And also, are you able to cope up with the trend? So before we started Oh My Home, we did think about um, other business ideas as well. And um, the good thing about property is that whatever content we're writing, platform that we're building, is still viable um, for many years. Although regulations might change, you know, there are more stamp duty, there are small foreigners tax. But the product is always the same. Um, but if you think about if you're going to make a fashion brand, every single week you're supposed to churn out new stuff. So, you know, if you're starting that, you got to think about, oh, am I able to do that? Do I have the investment to at least, you have to like at least produce 1,000 of the same t-shirt, right? It can be like printing 10 t-shirts and trying to sell 10. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors to consider when you're um, building that new idea. And it always helps to ask around. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's quite scary to feel like, oh, you know, what if people don't think it's a great idea? But you'd be surprised at the ideas that people can give you. That, hey, you know, what about this? Have you thought about that? Then you actually have more bases covered before you jump into it wholeheartedly and 100%. And yeah. who, for you personally, like, who are some of the people that you reached out to you when you first started Oh My Home? And then what are some of the feedback they gave you? Do you remember? Um, well, the, the idea came about and the first person I asked was my husband. Uh, so, um, my husband's a businessman and then um, initially when I first started, it didn't come from a perspective of making money, which is why I tell you that you have to actually think about that. We started as a social enterprise. Uh, we started Oh My Home to help people um, so that you know people can do it for free. So, yeah, back then I was thinking, yeah, WhatsApp doesn't make money, Twitter doesn't make money. But they're worth a lot. So why can't we build something that's free for people to use? Um, that was the intention. Um, yeah, so I, of course I asked around, you know, other friends that I know. And you have to be like really asking people who will actually use your products. Uh, families, relatives, friends who are living in, um, in the different housing estates. Um, how do you um, sell your property? Um, do you have any trouble? You, know, you can't be solving a problem that doesn't exist. You know, sometimes you think that there's a problem, but actually there's no problem. So if you don't ask around, you will know that is this a real problem? That is that a big enough problem for you to solve? If you're just solving a problem for like a thousand people, then I guess it's very difficult to make that into a business. Exactly, exactly. And I think knowing your market, especially, it's also a fun time to like test your friendship, right? When you over have new idea, telling your friends, you know, how honest, you know, they're going to get to you. Are they going to 
straight up in your face and tell, hey, this is a stupid idea, change it? Or are they gonna, you know, give you just like, oh yeah, it's cool, then we can try it, you know, stuff like that. I think these are really a testament of like how how you can you know, improve upon you know relationship with people and also improve your business idea. And you know, last part of this um, conversation, I also wanted to bring us the attention to you know being a, a mom entrepreneur. You know, you know, earlier you mentioned you had a daughter, um, three years old right now. Um, has she? Have you seen any traits picked up from you? Like, oh, she she might have picked up on some, you know, maybe an artist trait or the entrepreneur trait. Um, I don't know. I always like like to think that my daughter is smarter than I am. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it's so cool, like having a kid. Um, you know, my elder sister is just in a family to have two kids, um, and all of a lot of my children before I did. Um, because you know, I'm already past my Um So yeah, when they are like so, like over, like so overwhelmed or so excited about their kid, I thought, oh my god, this is like crazy. Like go on play dates and hang out with other children and their mothers. It's like. <gasps> I can't even, it sounds so boring to me. But now that I am a mom, it's completely different. It's like a new world, like, oh my God, you never had so much love for anyone in this world. And then, yeah, and that's my daughter. Um, this mompreneur journey has been very interesting because the good thing is that my mom has always been a mompreneur all her life. So she and my dad has always been working throughout my entire life. Yeah, even now, she's still working. She runs her own business. And actually, I think that gave me a lot of assurances because every single mom will feel guilty about going to work and leaving your baby behind. So a huge part of us don't want to leave our baby because we love them so much. The other part is like, oh, you know, I'm a bad mom. I'm like spending nine hours in the office and one hour with my child. But with my mom as a role model, I think that really helped me and Rhonda. Because she, my mom was always there whenever we needed her. She's always there when, during the most important times. She's there when I needed someone to talk to. And even if, um, I remember there was once I was like really upset sitting in the living room. I was only like 12 years old. I was like crying, you know. Then my parents were like on their way out to work and then they couldn't stay. And then my mom said like, Hey, you know, I don't like to see you cry like that, all right? Write me a letter. I want to know what's wrong with you. So she's all about like getting to the problem and then solving that problem. So I wrote a letter about how stressful work is. <laughs> and they actually really addressed the problem and they solved it with me. You know, they brought me out for a treat, you know, said, hey, you know, I'm going to out shopping. But the thing is, I think it is very important that what are we trying to build with our kids? For me, um, What's important for my child is that she's safe, she's healthy, she's um, learning every single day, and um, she has good manners. I think that is very important. Um, I don't see a point in raising like a spoiled brat, right? Like she can be smart or pretty, but then if she's super arrogant, then it doesn't make sense to me as well. So, yeah, and I think definitely having my own good parents really has a huge influence on me and gives me that confidence that yes. You know, I have to do something meaningful with my time 
um, even though I'm 30 something, I'm still like halfway through my life, right? Maybe less than halfway through my life, I hope. Um, and there's so much more that I have to grow on a personal level. And I've seen um, some of my aunties who, you know, settled being a housewife. And and it's not always that rewarding because there might come, come a point in time when your children's 12 years old and they don't need you anymore. And they kind of like feel that hollowness in them right. where... Yeah, I've seen that too many times and I thought that, you know, I have to do my best as mom, but I have to grow on a personal level as well. Right, right. Uh, so I guess like for you, it's this entrepreneurship spirit runs in the family. Right? Your father, your mom, you run their own businesses. You know, now it's so. your turn, your sisters. Yeah, even my elder sister, she actually um, helped her husband set up like the biggest dental clinic in Hong Kong, in Central. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's what, 6,000 square feet, I think. Yeah, very, very big. Impressive. Very, very impressive. Yeah, so... so, I so yeah, this entrepreneurial spirit is, is amazing. So, before I open up for questions, so, Grace, can you give, like, two pieces of advice? You know, one for, one for student entrepreneurs and one for, you know, current working adults or wants to be entrepreneurs. Like, what kind of advice would you give them? If you want to start um, I think for students, um, although there are like a lot of like miracle stories of like Mark Zuckerberg starting um, Facebook in his garage, but I feel like if you're thinking about starting something, the best way to learn is to join a similar, similar company. Um, let's say it's property, you know, you can join Oh My Home, or if it's like shopping site, you can join Lazada, Shopee to understand how it works because. When you really like something, it doesn't mean that you have all the skill sets that's necessary. And if you were to join another company, you'd be able to see how it's run and what's the missing parts that you're lacking because no one knows every single thing. Um, then you're able to, let's say, find a better partner to complement you when you're ready to start your business. Or you know who's the first, first person you're supposed to hire. So let's say you're really good in operations, um, your partner is really good in numbers and maybe the first person you need to hire is marketing you know um, it is really um, I, there's this other book also I read that says that a lot of people when they are really good at baking you'll start bakery right you'll call it like Grace's Bakery or Ray's Cake Shop they put their name on it but the thing is knowing how to bake and running a bakery is completely different um, even I think a lot of bakers who runs their own bakery don't end up baking. They spend all their time marketing, um, you know, being at the shop, make sure the shop is open. Because you might hire someone to be there, but the person is on a day off or on a sick leave, you're, you end up being the person sitting there at the counter and marketing, operations, hiring, uh, admin stuff. Oh, it's really overwhelming. Yeah, so learn from the other businesses first because like if you like start your own thing and then you join someone else, people might think that oh, you're here to learn or uh, you failed something. Bye. <laughs> Bye, you know, you suck by and you try to learn from me. So it's better that you learn and then go start something. Um, I think, and then for other working adults, I guess um, these people will have a better idea of what they want to do because they're already working. Um, working on your business plan is very important, although this is something you learn in school, but actually it's really important because you have to 
repeatedly create business plans for fundraising. And throughout the entire process, you will be looking to kind of like um, see your ideas on paper and see what is working, what is not, like the SWOT analysis, things that's so basic. And then what are your goals? Um, can, your, can your business really make money? That is really, really important because you can't rely on external funding. You have to be self-sustainable. Yeah. Um, although like this startup world seems so fancy now, but at the end of the day, it has to be a real business. It can be just like a very funny or very cool dream. It has to be a real business. Solving real problems, bringing real money into the business. Yeah. Right. Great advice, great advice. I think you know, for students especially, you know, learn as much as you can before you actually jump like no steep into this world of startup business. I would say like I experienced this personally, there's just no going back. Like once you're in, you're either in like all in or then you're just basically out of it. So right now we still have a little bit of time. So if the audience right here have some questions, feel free to type it out on the on the public chat and then we'll pick some to answer a few depending on how much time we have left. Um, but you know, thank you a lot for raising time today to share her stories with us and you know, entrepreneur journey, you know, from being an artist to being a founder, you know, moving from Hong Kong to Singapore, all the in between, you know, it's a, it's a great inspiring stories for, for all of us um, right here at CEO class and, and the audience. So let's see if we have any questions coming in from the chat. How do you handle your stress? Ah, you have started your business. Let me re repeat the question for, for the podcast listener later on. So there's a question asking, how would you start, how would you have started or grown your business if you didn't have the option of fundraising? Yeah, kind of a technical question. Um, I think I would have started it the same way because when we first started, we used our own money. Um, and if we didn't have the option of fundraising, it would actually still be the same, but just that the growth would be slower because you don't have that enough money to hire enough people and um, you wouldn't have enough money for marketing. Actually, like when you look at um, our company, the biggest cost is always manpower and marketing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, so it will be the same way I would run my company now which is like super, super hands-on. Um, Ronda and I will oversee every single team uh, very closely. Um, the reason why we, we see them, like oversee them very closely is just to make sure that we're tracking things that's gonna be delivered at the right time and coordinating the different teams. So when there's like a tech team building a product, we have to constantly check with them to make sure that is the product gonna be launched on time. If it's not gonna be launched on time on the business front, when we're looking for partnerships, we have to hold that back. It has to be in line. You can't have like the customers and then the product is not built. Or the product is built and then it's like sitting there and it has nothing to do at all. So there's a lot of coordination um, between the different teams and that's where like um, the founders have to like, like sit in different chairs to oversee them. Mm, got, it, got it. Let's let's take two more questions and then we can wrap up the call. So next one we have is sure. how do you handle stress during this crisis? I'm sure it's a stressful time for a lot of us. So how would you handle your stress right now? 
Um, I think it boils down to looking back at our business. Um, is this a business that is a real business solving real problems, or will this business be, you know, out of trend after this virus? Um, so we look at that and we know that hey, you know, um, of course people can be transacting properties at this moment because you can't even go out, so you can't view the property. Although we're still doing video tours and we're still transacting, but definitely the numbers have come down, and um, we'll have to like pivot. What can we do um, instead of like holding real life seminars? We're gonna pivot to doing more of video seminars. Uh, we gotta like rearrange, reprioritize our solutions, our tools, so that we can cater to the new new way of living now. Um, yeah, I guess the way I handle crisis is always about looking back at the business. Reprioritizing it, and we just continue on. I don't like to like cry over still kind of. Yeah, we just don't have time for that. It's always like moving forward, moving forward. Okay. Yeah, and, so, and the so. other thing that um, we have to do during a crisis is how can we be more effective with how we use our money and our time. Yeah. So let's say I was saying like marketing is the biggest cost. So what we need to do is to, how can it be more effective. When we, for example, shoot a video, how can we re-adapt this video into different ways, cut it out into different ways to use on different channels, instead of like having to spend more money doing many, many videos. Um, when we do, yeah. So it's more like, how can you better use every single um, asset that you have? Yeah. To better utilize all the all the resources and all the skills that you have existingly to help the company strive for this. So last one um, from Lena. Uh, do you see any advantage of being a mom to be an entrepreneur? Ooh, is there an advantage for being a mom entrepreneur? I guess the only advantage I see is that um, you are better, you are more understanding towards your team members. Um, because you're a mom yourself, you know that you want to spend time with your children. You know that you know about different difficulties that people have at home. We we have more empathy towards people in our team and I think that is one big reason why our team is so strong we have a strong bond you know between us and our team and within our team itself uh, we are we have a very collaborative culture where there's no peers even when let's say I'm a founder and I'm in the meeting my voice is just the same as my other guy's voice you know it's all about who has the better idea to solve a problem and how are we gonna going to go about solving it um, instead of like a top-down approach, um, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, otherwise, I guess being a man, you'll have like more, like less responsibility at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not sure, but actually, I think um, having like such um, reasons cannot be an excuse for not doing well as well because there are very successful female entrepreneurs all around the world and a lot of very successful female leaders around the world so as a woman we shouldn't take this as like a disadvantage or like a reason to not do as well we should see ourselves you know an equal you know not like oh a man can do it i can do it too it's like it's just like we have to get things done and we just gotta do it no, no matter you're a man or a woman or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Just, we all, it's human and here just to get things done with our skills, basically. 
Great. So yeah. thank you very much for your time, Ray. You know, it was a great chat for today, our second episode of CEO Class. We really appreciate your time. So for the audience here, if you want to recap this uh, podcast that we have, we are live on YouTube, CEO Class, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. So you can revisit this episode later. Um, but again, thank you very much, Ray. I uh, hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. And thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for